You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network at long last to talk about the movie I waited all year for, uh, The Mummy, a movie that you complained about every single week. We kept talking about it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And we're finally here to talk about it, The Mummy, two weeks late. Uh, my name is Colin, and I have brought, once again, a mummy of my own, um, the mummy of my baby that cries randomly in the background in episodes. Jamie, you're here to talk about another movie that you weren't excited about, but uh, it'll be interesting to get your opinions. Thanks for going to see this movie with me. Uh, you did not get frozen yogurt, as we promised, but uh, uh, regardless, you did find a way to drag yourself down to the theater to watch Tom Cruise on a giant IMAX screen with me. That's right, and that's okay, because I am a yummy mummy. That's right. Um, <laughs> We're here to talk about today is yummy mummies. They're no longer decrepit old... They, they are decrepit, though. <laughs> that's I'm what not decrepit. No, I didn't say you were. I said the the mummies in oh, the movies. Okay. But yeah, that's true. Anyways, but... Um, well, don't jump I, the gun. My episode here, but, I'm the host. But when you were talking about how I wasn't excited for it, yeah, even from your description, I was already yawning for 10 seconds. Okay, <laughs> but this is what's interesting about this. Let's, let's get out of the way. This movie has taken a beating. It's like at 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like a 5.8 on IMDb. Everybody's trashing it like it's the worst movie ever made. I'm coming out and saying it. This movie is not that bad. It's not amazing, but it's not that bad. And you walked out of it fairly satisfied. Maybe not wowed, but you have to... For, as somebody who went into this not expecting much out of it, were you pleasantly surprised? Did it exceed expectations? Did it fall below? Uh, where does this rank for you? I and walked, don't, don't compare it to the other movies. We'll get to that later. I walked into the movie not thinking that it would really be that special. I thought it, I thought it was okay. I, I didn't think it was terrible, like absolutely awful. I didn't think it was amazing. I just thought it was okay. Um, I, uh, I mean, I still, of course, would watch it because it has one of my hotties in it, Tom Cruise. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a minute and a half, people. <laughs> That's all it took this time. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Um, I mean, there's things in, in the movie that I had an issue with, and we'll obviously talk about that in the episode. Okay, but you still didn't give an answer. Yeah. Did you exceed I, expectations? Did you enjoy it? Is it a waste of time? Yeah, no, I know. I, I said it. I, I did answer you, actually. I, I said that it, uh, it's not terrible, but it, but it's okay. It's not amazing. There you go. And I think that that already is more positive than most of the critics out there are being, because I honestly believe that people are just looking for something to criticize this year. Uh, you know, we're coming off of Wonder Woman, which everybody was pleasant, pleasantly surprised at. As I said at the beginning, this movie is not that bad. Uh, it's we'll, we'll get to the overall reviews at the end, but I think it's 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 worth a look. It's 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 interesting enough that you know, even if you're not going to go out of your way to pay for it, and you know, thirteen, fifteen dollars in IMAX 3D, whatever it is it's at least worth checking out. And there's some interesting things here. And I think most of this episode is going to be less me defending the movie and more defending, uh, or I guess, countering the arguments that a lot of people are making about this in this universe. Because we should really start out by saying, this is something that Universal has been trying to do for years. And people try to say, oh, they're just trying to copy what Marvel did. Sorry, everybody out there who believes that Marvel are the gods of everything movies. I like Marvel movies, but this is going to be something I'll jump on almost every single week. Marvel took this idea of crossing over characters and you know building these giant team up movies. They took that from Universal. Universal was doing this all the way back in the, what the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. I mean, this goes back decades, and that's what Universal wanted to do. They wanted to create this universe. And by the way, Universal already tried to do this before the Marvel movies even came out. That's what Van Helsing was kind of meant to do. The Hugh Jackman Van Helsing, that was really a bad movie. That was about 15 years ago. Really a terrible movie, um, but. They're kind of using this, the mummy, as a launching point to introduce their universe, which they're calling the Dark Universe. And that would be all the universal monsters that came from those 30s, 40s, 50s movies. Dracula, uh, Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, all these ones are kind of already being set up in this. And that's what I think people need to be a little bit more optimistic about. Whether you like this movie or not, I don't think that that determines how good the Dark Universe is going to be. Because even more so than Marvel, these are all going to be completely different movies. You know, Marvel has really become about, you know, giant crossovers where even Captain America is not really the main star of his own movie, Civil War. And I like Civil War, but... 
I think this is gonna allow for more individual stories while still having the potential for cool crossovers in the future, which is what they did back in the old days. Yeah, I think that um, I think that it's pretty bleak though for um, the next movies that they're planning to do with it, this. It's not. Here's where the argument's gonna start. I want you to tell me how it makes it bleak for the next movies. Because I just felt like. Well, before we even go on, let's just say what the next movies are. They're planning on The Bride of Frankenstein for probably about a year and a half from now. That one's already written. It's already, you know, uh, about to be ready to go. They've got a director on there, Bill Condon, who, by the way, did the movie about James Whale, Gods and Monsters, that Brendan Fraser was originally in, original star of The Mummy. There's a lot of Six Degrees here. Uh, but that one's being made. They have Russell Crowe casting this as Dr. Jekyll. Obviously, there's a setup for that. You know, they've got ideas for Van Helsing movies. Um, we're probably going to see some type of version of Dracula, even if it's not connected to Dracula Untold, which was a few years ago, which that was a terrible movie, by the way, um, unrelated. But yeah, so their universe, they've already mapped out the movies they're doing. So how does this make those movies bleak that have no real connection to this? Well, I think that I just keep going back to... Um it came into my mind because you mentioned Brendan Fraser. I think I just keep going back to that version of The Mummy that came out. Because when you look at a... I mean, the third one wasn't great, but when you look at the first two Mummy movies with him, um, they were great. I mean, the first one is absolutely amazing. The second one was, was second one was great, too, as well. But with that one, though, it was just... It was such a deep story. You actually... <laughs> no, it, it, it was. Like, it had... It had really good story to it, uh -huh. story that they followed up with the second movie that actually uncovered things that made a lot more sense. But <laughs> this is the most, most praise, I think, the stories for The Mummy and The Mummy Returns have it ever also, given. It also had really hot eye candy, but... <laughs> yeah, he's hot too. But the thing is, is with The Mummy, it also... I felt like the huge... The, the thing that made a huge difference is that those movies actually really made you care about the character and it was just some i don't know if it was the acting or what it was but i watched this movie i think like two weeks ago now with you and i already forget everything okay but and i have a bad fairness, memory i we know started, that hold but... on we started these whole movie podcast what, was the, guy, what was the guy's name even do you remember yeah it was nick was it nick yes well what was what was her name Aminat? The, the mummy nima fatima <laughs> nima no Aminat. see you remember these things if you pay attention. Okay, but you you also just have memory. Remember everything. That's okay, not fair. Which my entire point is, you just said you have a terrible memory. Don't take that as a judgment. You started off our Logan episode, which you praised by saying, "Yeah, I barely remember anything for this movie, and it's been three days." So I'll be quiet, Nima Fatima. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, here's the thing. I don't. I love the original Mama movies. Like I love them. I will watch them every single year without fail. Uh, it's right up there, you know, with. As far as movies from like the last 20 years for me, I mean, that's right up there with like the Planet of the Apes movies uh, or the Captain America movies, which I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I love especially the Captain America movies. But this is something completely different. And it's funny that so many people are jumping on the bandwagon saying, oh, it's just not as good as the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. But she's no what? Imhotep either. Like, okay, I'm going to have a big argument oh, for that. Oh, she Let's, doesn't even Hold compare. on, hold on. I'm going to okay, have a Okay, I know argument. that the guy is like hot too. He's hot too. That, hold but, on. But it's not even about hold that. Hold on. <laughs> um, but everybody's jumping on the bandwagon saying it was not as good as the others. And the thing that people have to remember is that when the Brendan Fraser mummies movies came out, they were saying... What do these movies have to do with The Mummy? Because The Mummy is more like what we saw in this new Tom Cruise one than it is the Brendan Frasers. Like, Universal always intended them to be horror series with a little bit of an element of adventure. Yeah. Steven Summers, who made the first two Mummy movies, he wanted to make an adventure movie with a little bit of element of horror. He envisioned Raiders of the Lost Ark with the supernatural turned up from a four to a nine. Yeah, it was a, a little bit lighter that way and had, you know, but, the, the action adventure with uh, a side of comedy. And this one was more like, first of all, like, like um, thriller horror and then slash adventure. And there really wasn't anything well, funny. No, I no, mean, no, there, no. There, there, there was one part that of a character. More that, than one part. No, there was one character that had like two or three, like tiny little seconds where he was funny, but it didn't... It, it didn't stick with you. No. The way, okay. the way, the way that, like, let's say Benny from The, the Mummy, the first Mummy. But did. again, that's a movie that intended to be a comical adventure movie with a little bit of horror element. The thing with this movie is, I think one of the things people were caught off guard with is that they 
with the trailers, they really want to promote this being a scary movie. And there are some scary moments in this movie. They really wanted to promote this when Tom Cruise and everybody was out there promoting it. They said, you know, this is a scary movie. We didn't want to make like a, a cheesy adventure film. But in all honesty, it is an adventure film and it is funny. I would say the first sequence Tom Cruise is introduced in, which runs for five or ten minutes, it's basically them in the, the desert, him and his friend. And his friend is the comic relief, the same guy was in the Jurassic World movie playing one of the computer tech guys that wanted to stick around. He was hilarious in Jurassic World. Um, I thought he was even funnier here in The Mummy. He's in this movie start to finish. Every time he's in it, it's hilarious. And it, just the idea of his character is kind of funny. But even Tom Cruise's introduction, when they're in the desert and they're trying to, as I say, they're liberators of these antiquities. They're, they're basically playing, you know, uh, Indiana Jones. They're grave robbers. And there's gunfights going on. It's hilarious because just the way that they play in the gunfights funny. And I think that's one of the things that maybe people are getting caught off guard with this movie with. Is that they promote it so hardcore as it's scary, it's scary. And then you watch it and it really is kind of just a fun adventure movie that has some horror elements. I think it is a lot more similar it's to not those. fun. It is fun. It's not fun. This is a completely different opinion than you had two no. weeks ago. No, I, There are I, a lot of fun moments. No, that gunfight at I, the beginning is great the way that the the mummy is introduced you know when they they collapse into the ground like this is all in the first okay, like 10 15 minutes of the movie okay but that's not fun though it w there's a lot of fun action scenes in this and his character is fun now you he, you, you should read the webster dictionary term for fun cuz you you don't understand you should what I mean. spell webster's dictionary on that. <laughs> i know, i know how to spell it <laughs> go for it right now just, just like i said aeration yeah <laughs> yesterday for context yesterday she was uh, pointing out a helicopter to me. It's like, hey, look, you like aeration stuff. <laughs> it was first thing in the morning, and I didn't have any coffee yet. Well, you know, drink coffee. When you do, it's decaf. Don't blame that. You're trying to I set yourself up. I didn't want to sound so stupid. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but as, Anima Fatima. as I go back to what I was saying, this is, I feel, more of an adventure movie than it is a horror movie. And maybe people were caught off guard by that. Maybe they wanted more horror. Who knows? There I, is, I thought it was 50-50. Well, the, I will agree. There is a bit of an imbalance with this movie. It doesn't feel like it's either one or the other. Thank and I think you. One of the other problems, and again, this is where I'll have a criticism of you for the movie, but I want to give a slight defense for it. For one of the reasons I think maybe people aren't as uh, connected with this movie is that it felt so similar to Edge of Tomorrow, which is one of Tom Cruise's best movies ever. Um, probably his best sci-fi movie outside of only Minority Report. Well, please don't tell me that he's starting to be like Johnny Depp where he's the same in every movie. Well, in this movie he was, but but <laughs> here's the thing, is that when Edge of Tomorrow came out, people complained prior to that saying, oh, Tom Cruise always just plays Tom Cruise. And then Edge of Tomorrow came out and Tom Cruise was playing almost the anti-Tom Cruise. He was cowardly, which in the first 10 minutes, 10 minutes of this movie, we see him being kind of cowardly. You know, he was not really your strong guy. He didn't want to be in the situation. He was always trying to just find a way to go home and get out of doing any work. Uh, he was putting on a show of being this big hero, but he really wasn't. And his character in this is pretty much exactly the same as Edge of Tomorrow. And I felt the tone of this movie was very similar to Edge of Tomorrow in that it was funny. It was having fun with these kind of horrific elements. You know, Edge of Tomorrow was like these giant aliens that are, you know, devouring people. And he's basically dying over and over again in this movie. It's not like Groundhog Day where it's funny. I mean, he's dying these brutal deaths. But they found a way to edit it and to play the scenes where it felt funny. But that was such an amazing movie. But that's my point is that I think that movie set the bar so high. And in this, I almost feel like they were trying to make Edge of Tomorrow with a mummy. Um, not in the same plot, but the same tone. It felt too similar to Edge of Tomorrow. One of the reasons there are the similarities is because Christopher McQuarrie, who wrote... Uh, Edge of Tomorrow for Tom Cruise as well as did many of his other movies also did work on the screenplay for this he wasn't the sole screenwriter but maybe that's where a lot of these similar tones and a lot of the similarities between these two movies come is that Christopher McQuarrie's involvement is in both I do agree there are problems with this movie but I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding and if somebody were to go into this and not have expectations that it's supposed to be you know the second coming of Brandon Fraser uh, or go into it expecting that it's supposed to be a horror movie maybe they're gonna find a little bit more enjoyment out of it uh, I don't necessarily agree because from the because we've been married for almost five years and that's how you start off every sentence uh, no but um, from the time that I actually first started seeing the trailers I told you that I didn't think it looked very good but every and... time you would always say oh shut up I it's love my Brandon turn Fraser. <laughs> It's my show. <laughs> so the spotlight's on me. Get your own show. Um, 
no, I, uh, I, I told you that I didn't think that it looked very good from the trailers, and I actually honestly went into the movie without really any expectations, whether good or bad, and I just thought, you know what, I'll just watch it with you, you know, and, uh, Tom Cruise is in it, so at least I'll have something nice to look at for the whole movie, and, um, you know, like I said, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't anything amazing. I think that uh, Edge of Tomorrow is a way better movie, and oh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see the similarities that you're talking about. But now that you mention it, I, I could see what you're talking about for the tone. Yeah, the tone is very similar, and that's where I think part of the uh, distraction is, is that this movie wasn't set up to be a fun action adventure movie. It was set up to be a horror film and it really isn't. There are elements, I think especially near the end, it becomes that and that's where it's, it's very imbalanced. Um, as far as Tom Cruise goes, I mean, I am as big of a Tom Cruise fan and some people will hate me for saying that, but I'm as big of a Tom Cruise fan as you'll ever find. Uh, and for years, it was kind of like people would criticize me because I'm like, Tom Cruise is awesome. And everybody would be like, oh, but he's so weird. He jumps on couches. And I would say, find one bad movie he made. You look at even just the last 15 years, I mean, The Last Samurai, Collateral, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, Oblivion, The Mission Impossible, the, the last three Mission Impossible movies, amazing. He really doesn't make, it's very rare that he makes a bad movie. I think the only one he's made in maybe the last, I'd say 25 to 30, let's say at least 25 years, the only one he made that I really didn't care for was Night and Day. And yet I've still seen Night and Day Probably two or three times. What, what was that one where he looked like a sexy, slutty uh, musician? Rock of Ages? He was a sexy, slutty musician. I That's, loved it. But mm. I, there's another one I didn't like, but I don't look at that as his movie. He was a supporting character in it. But that's okay, because like, it wasn't meant for you. It was meant for me. <laughs> his scenes, maybe, but he was a supporting actor in other people's movies. That's like saying, oh, uh, if, if you're going to say you liked or disliked Tropic Thunder. Oh, well, Tropic Thunder is Tom Cruise's best movie. No, Tom Cruise has a supporting role in Robert Downey Jr. and Ben Stiller and Jack Black's movie. But let's get off Rock of Ages for a second. Yeah, um, and, and uh, Keanu Reeves or um, uh, uh, Tom Cruise, if uh, you are listening to this and Colin ever dies, I am available. Okay, yeah. Why don't we add Hugh Jackman, Chris Pine? No, not <laughs> Chris, Pine, Chris Pine's okay, but Keanu would be top of the list. Uh. Then... Um, it's a tie between Hugh Jackman and Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Yeah. And then there's um, Tom Cruise. Yeah. And I've heard this over and over. And Bradley Cooper. He's he's pretty good. And and this guy and that guy and Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> oh oh you know no no you know who's who, who's really good is the guy who played Bane. That guy's sexy. Tom Hardy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's sexy. All right. Okay. Well. It's always good to know that you have replacements lined up in the event of my untimely death. Let's move on from here. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it is. Um, I, I, on a scale of, as we were saying about Tom Cruise, on a scale of Tom Cruise Minority Report and Edge of Tomorrow to Tom Cruise Night and Day, um, this is, I don't know, kind of like Tom Cruise Lions for Lambs. I mean, <laughs> you're not going to remember him the best from the movie, and I think that's the biggest problem. I think there's two problems here. If you are a Tom Cruise fan like me, and if we would have done this podcast five, six, seven years ago, um, there would have been no way that I could say that publicly and have people listen. Now, all of a sudden, there's been this huge resurgence in his career. People love Tom Cruise again. And the reasons they love him is because he does have that kind of a uh, little bit of an, an arrogance and swagger about him, but also just the stunts. I mean, this is a guy who's now in his 50s and his stunt work is incredible. He does all of his own stunts. And I think that's where you really have to compare this to, uh, especially with the Mission Impossible movies. I mean, he set the bar so high edge of tomorrow i mean there were there were good stunt work in that i mean it's hard to tell because in the giant suit but just being in that giant suit's tough there's really not a lot of stunt work in this one i think and i think that's one of the other problems is that you come to expect tom cruise is going to deliver these amazing action scenes and these amazing stunts and i feel like the action scenes that stood out to me really didn't have a lot of stunt work in them i think about the car chase that they have uh maybe about halfway into the movie when they really encounter Aminet, the the mummy for the first time uh, in the flesh and they're trying to escape the woods and there is kind of an edge of tomorrow thing about that which I won't give away too much but uh, what happens as they're trying to escape is it kind of gives me again one of those little edge of tomorrow things uh, but that was a cool chase scene and there's a cool crash but it's not like Tom Cruise is doing much other than sitting there and I think if you're expecting this to be a big Tom Cruise action movie you'll probably be let down with that as well. But you forgot about one of the coolest uh parts in the movie actually uh that they talked about 
for a really long time uh, before we actually saw the movie, which was uh, when they're in the airplane and they had like the zero gravity. Yeah, well, where everyone was no, floating. I didn't forget it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm getting oh, there. Oh yeah, we're, you, you never forget. We're anything. twenty minutes in. I, I'm not like, all right, here's the second and final scene we will discuss today. <laughs> okay, this was just show. It sucked. Okay, the end. <laughs> Bye. See you later. No, we'll we'll get to that in a second, but. I think that there isn't really the big stunt work that you expect of Tom Cruise in this, and that's one of the things that's going to be different. Because even in Oblivion, uh, which I would consider to be maybe his, I really enjoyed it. But uh, Tom Cruise, let's, let's let's talk about this now. I was going to save this for the end, but Tom Cruise has, in the last fifteen years, developed himself to be almost a sci-fi action movie icon. You know, he's like your modern day, like what Schwarzenegger was in the '80s with uh, Terminator and The Running Man and Total Recall. Uh, that's really what Tom Cruise has become. You can count on Tom Cruise to make great sci-fi movies and some bad ones, which <laughs> as we're going through, we have Minority Report. We have War of the Worlds, which was the second one he made, which is the bad one. I'm going to say that movie is worse than this, like in every single way. If anybody out there wants to say the War of the Worlds is better no, than no, the No, 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 no. This is better. This is better. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and then, of course, he and had... And I've seen it, so I know. And he had Oblivion, and he had Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you have two movies in there that are complete classics, and that's not even exaggerating. Like, classic is the word you use to describe Minority Report and Edge of Tomorrow. They are perfect movies. They're movies They're that 30, 40, 50 years from now, people are still going to be like, what are the greatest sci-fi movies of all time? Edge of Tomorrow and Minority Report will come up. Yeah. Oblivion is a good sci-fi movie. You know, it's not amazing, but it's very good and it's very satisfying. This is like, yeah, it's okay. Or the world's is bad. So this is not the worst sci-fi movie Tom Cruise has even made. Um, but I think Oblivion, especially if you look at that as something that even that has over this, is it was a great sci-fi movie, and Tom Cruise still had some good stunt work in that. And he doesn't get these big stunt scenes. There's the one scene you talked about, which really, it's not like him doing stunts. It's impressive that they filmed it that way. Uh, that they did do this zero gravity. Like, they used the Vomit Comet, which is a zero... Uh, G airplane basically does like a full uh, free falling dive so that as the airplane is diving you the passengers are diving at the same rate which creates weightlessness technically uh, and that's how they film like uh, the weightless scenes in Apollo 13 and a lot of other movies like that gravity but uh, with this it's one sequence and it is the best sequence of the entire movie but I give more credit of that to you know how they staged it, and uh, you know Alex Kurtzman, who's the director, we'll talk about a little bit later. You know, a great idea on his part to do that in long takes and everything. And I'm not saying it wouldn't have been tough for anybody to do that. I mean, they called the vomit comet for a reason, and for Tom Cruise to do as many takes as he did, impressive. But it's not what you come to expect of Tom Cruise. So I think if we're gonna put Tom Cruise's role in this to rest, I think it would be as you know, he's okay. It's not nothing I'm gonna remember Tom Cruise forever, and it, yeah. it's. And even in Night of Day, I think I probably preferred his role in Night of Day better Come than Come on, this. Colin, we're talking about The Mummy, not his other movies. Well, we should, because it is a Tom Cruise movie, and even the end of the movie, which we won't give away, I mean, Tom Cruise is the star of this. It's called The Mummy, but it is his movie. Yet, at the same time, up until the climax, up until it gets to the last ten minutes, he's not the main character. And again, this is where I feel it's very similar to Edge of Tomorrow, in that the the female lead in this character, I think her name was Jenny. Um, I'll have to look it up exactly. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember. I thought it was Penny. <laughs> Penny. 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 No. Penny. Uh, Penny. Yeah, Jenny uh, or Jennifer uh, Halsey, the female lead. She's basically the star of the movie as far as the story goes. Jenny. What is that supposed to be? Are I don't you know. referencing something? I was just thinking for Forrest Gump. Whenever okay. I hear Jenny, that's all yeah. I think about. Is that how Forrest said it? Jenny. Oh. <laughs> Jenny. Well, a second ago you were Jenny, and now all of a sudden it's Jenny. <laughs> Mama always told me a box of chocolates was like my life. <laughs> Mama always told me a box of chocolates was like my life. <laughs> Jamie quotes famous movie lines. Life was like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Mom, I, re I remember it. Now. I remember. Mom always told me the box of chocolates was like my life. <laughs> Mama had diabetes. Mama had diabetes. Okay. Um. Anyway, get back to Jenny. Yeah, okay. Jenny's kind of the main character in this movie. Uh, I don't think she has more screen time than Tom Cruise. She doesn't have the screen presence, but 
she's the star and that she's the professional. And this is similar to uh, Edge of Tomorrow, where I can't remember the character's name or the or the actress's name. I hate her and everything else, but she was good in Edge of Tomorrow, the, the, the main female lead in Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, gosh, I don't remember. Yeah, uh, people out there know. But, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Jenny's kind of the expert in this movie. She's the Indiana Jones. She's the one who knows everything about this, and this I think is that, where... I think that element was missing, though. I, I know you what, said Tom it, Cruise being no, the like the Indiana Jones thing, that but, that whole like Egyptian history, like it no, just, there was I, more of that in this uh, than at least. No. Come on, I love the Mummy Returns, but the Mummy Returns gave us a story about some scorpion king that made no sense and had nothing to do with real Egyptian mythology. You can't say that this hey, was hey, lacking that. Hey, that many years ago, Egyptians probably did pluck their eyebrows like you saw the Rock. Oh, yeah. Don't ever get me started on the scorpion king. Um, but. Back on topic. Jamie's trying very hard to stay on topic here. Uh, I actually am. Okay, but, but, but hold on. But Jenny she... is the expert, and this is where it was maybe too similar to Edge of Tomorrow because Tom Cruise is along for the ride. He presents himself as an expert, but he really knows nothing, and that's kind of the appeal of his character, but we saw it already a few years ago. Yeah, I, I don't want to give anything away, obviously, with, um, with this, but it just didn't really... It wasn't believable. It didn't make sense to me because... You know, it's not really a key part of the story, but like you said, he loves this girl, obviously. I mean, that's... What, Jenny? Yeah. Does he? I mean, they, but, but, they meet but, each other, and he kind of wants a boner, okay. but it's not like no, he's no, like... No, 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 if no. You, if you actually remember the story, and I don't really think it's giving anything away, this is why I'm saying I have a problem with it. I don't think it's believable, because he, he screws her, and then he... <laughs> does he? I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he does in the movie, and he... he oh, never, no, they, he they never, talk about... That's part of the backstory. He never yeah. calls her back or whatever. That's the backstory. completely ignores her, yeah. and then all of a sudden runs into her, and it's like, oh, I love you, and the, the movie takes place over the course of what well, like two or three days you know and, and all of a sudden he wants to like marry her everybody like, he doesn't not you know what's amazing the fiction you created in this story that majority of that never happened in the movie no you mentioned true. the backstory and then from that point on you created this fictional love story between the characters that doesn't exist this guy shows clear interest that he is really involved and very much invested in this woman okay and it's not believable First of all... This... I didn't even remember her name. I didn't remember his name. What was his name? Nick Carter? I don't remember. <laughs> Nick Carter. Okay. First of all, um, <laughs> I got a whole bunch of complaints on that. The movie does tell you when these two characters are introduced in the first 10 minutes, the story was that he had slept with her and then he ran out on her. But the reason was because the whole plot of this movie is set up from the fact that he has the map that leads them to Aminette's tomb. The, the mummy's tomb, and he stole that from her. He wasn't like, oh, I'm going to run out on this girl. He was like, hey, I have an opportunity to take this and make some money doing my, you know, artifact raiding or whatever I do. Th that's the entire plot or maybe, of the movie. Or maybe he was just kind of being a man-ho and sleeping with her so that he could get the map and he didn't give two craps. And then, that's my point. And then when he saw her, like, whatever, however much later, he then was like, but oh, oh. He's on the verge. Of, okay, let's not even say it. The trailer, the, the teaser trailer shows this. Tom Cruise's character, Nick Carter as you call them, is not on the verge of death in this movie. He dies like 20 minutes into the movie. And this entire premise of the movie is that the Aminette uh, somehow brings him back to life. And th there's this weird connection between him and Aminette. And that's what's I think really cool about this compared to the past Mummy movies is that she is a corpse and yet it's almost like she's seduced him somehow. Yeah, yeah. She's, it's brainwashing. She, she's trying to tempt him with her ancient vagine. Yeah, exactly. But it's more complicated than that. And this is one thing I really liked about it is that it was different. He's terrified of the scenario. He is the cowardly hero we already saw on Edge of Tomorrow. But he can't get away from her. And he keeps you know, having visions of her. And he's drawn to Aminette. And with Jenny, it's more just she's the only one who could save me. He's the damsel in distress in this movie. And that's something that I thought was kind of interesting. And you're talking about, oh, their relationship. This is the only girl who can save him. That's kind of the way he's looking at it. Uh, but How well did that work out, huh? Well, we can't give away the ending of the movie, but maybe it worked out great. I don't know. Maybe. I guess you we'll forgot. You know the reason you said... That, I'm just going to clue the listeners in on how Jamie's brain works. The reason you said, how well did that work out for him? is because you were hoping I would answer because you've already forgotten how the movie ends. I remember kind of. <laughs> Okay, but but but, but what what was what was this lady's name again? Ominous. Ominette. Ominette. Okay, well this Ominette <laughs> was Omicrap. Oma, you're yelling. Ominette was amazing. She was the she, best she, thing about this movie. She was no Imhotep. You're just saying that because she's hot. You're just saying Imhotep is hot. No what's, way. What difference does it make? Well, what's your opinion on this on this lady as far as a woman being a villain? 
I, I think she's amazing. It. And and first why? of all, let's talk about this. Besides her hotness, why? Because she has a screen presence. I've been wanting to talk about uh, the actress Sofia Batella for months now because I think it was about a year ago, and I, nobody had no idea who she was. Um, most people still don't. But about a year ago, we were at a friend's house. And we were supposed to show them Spectre. Uh, shout out to all our Double Oz 7 listeners or our listeners who don't realize that Double Oz 7 is available now <laughs> on iTunes. But we were supposed to watch Spectre and I forgot. I brought the case but re- didn't realize I was watching it the other night. It's in my Blu-ray player. So we were scrambling for someone to watch and we put on The Kingsman. And there's one sequence in The Kingsman where there's a fight scene with a woman who has blades for legs. You know, I when I say blades, that. it's like the artificial running legs like uh, Oscar Pistorius uh, did when he uh, was in the Olympics. So, is, it, is that the guy who... who yeah, killed his girlfriend. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's not get so dark here on The Mummy. <laughs> we have to talk about death and uh, tragic murders. I just was trying to picture who it was. Yeah, but anyways, this girl has the blade legs, and there's a fight scene that is absolutely incredible. And I don't think that Sophia Batella even speaks in The Kingsman. But she had so much screen presence without speaking. It was just amazing. And recently we watched Star Trek Beyond, which we talked about in our Guardians of the Galaxy episode. Another similarity between Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Trek Beyond. And she had a role in that where she was completely covered by makeup. She was like the new character. I will give you with this lady, like... You were you were telling me all she of, has something. She's you, got you real. You were telling presence. me all of her roles that she had in these movies, and I always thought those, that those women that I saw were like kick butt women, <laughs> and I didn't realize that they were all actually the same person. I think yeah. I think that uh, her as an actress, uh, amazing. She, she's so moldable to be able to have somebody. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> she's so moldable. I'm not gonna go there, Jamie would, but I won't. Yeah, she's she's so moldable to have so many different looks that I didn't even actually realize this was the same person over the course of like three or but four different roles. She's fantastic and see here, this is the difference between me and you. I'm praising her acting in her screen presence here. Uh, and she spends half of this movie, more than we get with Imhotep, at least in The Mummy Returns. That was one complaint about The Mummy Returns. The uh, Imhotep was transformed way too quickly you know, into the human. We didn't really get him as a mummy very long. In this, she is a mummy. Like, she is full-fledged, rotting, decaying corpse for half of this movie. And she is seducing men as a rotting, decaying corpse. And I understand a lot of his visual effects. But it takes somebody... Clearly, she doesn't have a lot of acting talent. She's a dancer, apparently. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of acting ability. And we can go back to the Wonder Woman episode a few weeks ago with Gal Gadot. You don't have to have a lot of acting experience to sometimes have screen presence. But I feel like Sophia Batella, even over Gal Gadot, she has like a real screen presence where she can be something different. And I want to see her in more movies, and I don't think she needs to talk. There's no way this woman ever gets typecast because you, we've just pointed out three roles completely different, two of which she doesn't really speak in, one of which we don't even see her. In this, we barely see her for at least half of the movie. She's really good in this, and I'm going to say she's better than Imhotep. You're, you're mentioning the corpse thing. Can I just say, actually, that one of my favorite parts of the movie that I thought looked so cool just for the for the visual aspect of it is when she actually was a corpse and she was absorbing, and it's not any type of a spoiler to re- re- you know, to reveal yeah. this because that that's the way that the other mummy movie was when she's sucking the life out of these people, essentially. And she's moving around like something from the exorcist. Like twitching. Yeah. From something from the exorcist. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was cool. So we started off this segment of you saying she is in no way better than Imhotep. No, no, and, no. and you're like, you're only saying that cause she's that, hot. That, and w- that all was of a sudden, the one part that I liked. The one part. Okay. Yeah. She is awesome. And she's the best thing about the movie. She is the reason to see this movie. You know, if this movie had nothing else going for it, and let's be honest, most critics don't think it does, uh, I would love to see a critic out there that doesn't praise Sofia Batella. She and is I, amazing. I, I had something in my mind, too. If this lady is immortal, lives forever and stuff like that, but she is still a woman, can she have babies? And, <laughs> and does she still get her period? Well, oh, I can't believe we Because she's, like, kind of, like, is she undead but alive? Like... <laughs> Like, she made this deal well, with Underworld, so does that mean that she gets, like, n- no tampons for life? Like, uh, like what's going on? I have no response to that, nor do I think any of the listeners want a response to that. <laughs> but, I, hold was, on. May, I wonder if any other woman thought about this when she there was watching it. There is the backstory, though. We don't want to get too deep into it. But there is the backstory here, like you were talking about, the ancient Egyptian mythology. I don't think they go as deep with it as they did in the first, like, Stephen Summers mummy movie. Uh, with Imhotep Uh, but it's a different type of backstory in this and what's interesting is that 
this isn't something where she was cursed. It was more she almost like sold her soul. And she's not really the main powerful one. Like, that's the interesting thing about this movie. Is that was a good scene, huh? When she sold her soul? Yeah. And she but, was in, like, the, the hot tub pool thing? Yeah. But. <laughs> but. But, uh, but is right. There is, there's more going on than just her in this movie. And there's another Egyptian god, I guess, that kind of gives her her power. And that's one of the reasons why this movie has the bigger plot that sets up for the other Universal Monster movies. And that's what we should talk about next. Is I, this, I think this that was Anubis that gave her the powers, right? No, it was. they called him Set. Was it? Yeah. I thought it was Anubis. No, they oh. called him that. That was <laughs> The Mummy Returns with uh, the Scorpion King. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Um, You're right. But... Yeah, with with set. I mean, this is really why this group prodigium comes into it. Uh, they're, I guess, the group that will connect all of these Universal movies, and it's kind of headed by Doctor Jekyll, who's played by Russell Crowe, and he's the the character. This is the the Nick Fury, I guess you would call him, of Universal's series, uh, where he's going to cross over into all of these, and he is Doctor Jekyll, and y- we do get to see. It. I'm not going to say that this is spoiler this was spoiled long ago we do get to see a mr hyde transformation in this and that was great too uh i I love russell crowe in this it's not a huge role but i think it's more than people expected of him but this group the entire purpose is that they kind of i don't know if you consider like the men in black where they're you know well i guess they are kind of like the men in black they're they're sort of monitoring monsters on earth and trying to defeat in some cases capture them in some cases test on them it's just they're the scientific organization that is keeping track of monsters. And they mention that the reason they want Aminette is because she is the most ancient of all the monsters. Uh, which leads us to, does this movie have any connection to Brendan Fraser and the Scorpion King and Imhotep? And that's, yes, you'll have to watch closely. Again, this is something that's been made public, so we're not going to say we're spoiling anything. Uh, there is a moment where you see a very important book uh, if you're familiar with the mummy, a very important book or, or the mummy and the mummy returns that makes an appearance in this. And the way they film it, it's not like just, oh, look, there's a prop from the mummy. I guess that's kind of an in joke. It's clearly meant to set up that this is the same universe. And I don't think that they're going to have a big crossover where Brendan Fraser comes back. But the way that they show that at least makes me think they want to tie this in some way to the originals. And I think the producer even came out and said, yeah, this exists in the same universe. So maybe one day we'll get Brendan Fraser in a backstory here. But the whole point is that, that Set and Aminette go back even further than even Imhotep in this, which is why there's so much interest in them. Yeah. And you talk about no ancient Egyptian mythology. The entire plot here is about the fact that they are more ancient than what we saw in those original movies which exist in this timeline i don't know I, mean, I like i said i just found parts of it just to be kind of boring well there are parts that are boring i'm not gonna lie there's parts where i was boring well i'm getting worked up here <laughs> I, I bet you are okay <laughs> but the, the parts we're talking about where prodigium is introduced it is a little bit slow and when dr jekyll comes in it is a little bit slow and there's a great sequence in his lab i think uh that was fun and i don't think you could take away from that there was fun stuff in the action scene in the dr jekyll lab where we see the way he holds off mr hyde i mean all that stuff is great and i'm interested if nothing else to see russell crowe which this is the reason why when people say oh the mummy sucked this universe is dead these are all going to be completely different movies the only connecting part is going to be Russell Crowe, really, and he's a minor part. I mean, to say, oh, I didn't like The Mummy, or oh, The Mummy failed critically, so this universe is dead, the dark universe is dead. I mean, that's like saying because Iron Man 2 sucked, there's no point to watch Thor or Captain America. They are completely different movies that will eventually cross over. But do you honestly believe that the next movie they're playing, The Bride of Frankenstein, is going to have anything to do with this movie? Probably not, no. The only similarity is that Alex Kurtzman, who wrote this movie, or co-wrote it and directed it, is kind of heading up this universe. That's no different than any other studio. I mean, the movies are going to be totally different. They have different directors. They're all going to have different tones, different casts. So the Russell Crowe tying this together, I like that idea, and I want to see where they go with that. If I hated this movie, and I didn't hate it, but if I hated this, I would still be interested in seeing what they do with Bride of Dracula, or Bride of Frankenstein, because I want to see where Dr. Jekyll and Prodigium go next. Well, I want to see where they go, too. I'm just yawning this whole time <laughs> in this thing. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, like, it's it's a good movie. 
Um, oh, so we've gone from, oh, so boring, I don't remember. No, that's a good movie. No, I'm saying. I think I'm winning you I'm over. Saying, no, I'm saying it's not amazing, it's not terrible, but it's a good movie. Um, it's it's definitely something that would be worth having as part of a collection, but it wouldn't be the top. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, I think that I think that the other movies probably have more potential to be better. Well, and, and I think, like I said, I think the, the problem that I have with it so much is just that after seeing it at that point, then I was like, okay... The other movies were so much better, but if if I watch something like, let's say, The Bride of Frankenstein, I mean, you've watched those classic movies so much, and I have seen them, but you're a diehard fan of stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the classic horror movies, and if I'm watching that, I'm not going to probably hold it to the same type of standard that you are. Yeah, well... Um, and so, for me, like, I'm going to have a lot less expectations watching The Bride of Frankenstein, but I, I am excited to see it. Th- that's... That's the thing that I think people also have to take into account. As I said, Marvel didn't create this whole shared universe thing. Universal did decades and decades ago, and they're trying to bring that back. And the way they did originally, I loved those original movies. I still watch, you know, those black and white movies. Uh, I've seen all of the original Mummy movies. I've seen all the original Frankenstein movies. I think I got through two of the Draculas. I'm not really a vampire or Dracula fan. Creature from the Black Lagoon, I love those. I even bought the 3D Blu-ray of the black and white Creature from the Black Lagoon. And this is, I think, slightly more interesting because what they did back in those days is they introduced these individual characters and then they said, there's potential to cross over here. Let's do, you know, the Wolfman meets Frankenstein. Let's do the House of Dracula and the House of Frankenstein where you get all of your monsters and the Invisible Man and all these together. And that's the other thing we should mention. One of the other ones in the works is the Invisible Man with Johnny Depp. And that's going to be interesting. And I hate Johnny Depp. Yeah. But I'm even interested in that. These movies are all going to be completely different. But they've started out with a story they want to tell with this group prodigium. And that, that, I think, is interesting enough to keep me watching even if this was awful. Which it isn't. Um, Opinion on Russell Crowe and Dr. Jekyll in this um, I thought that he was good. Um, I don't really know much about that character. I, I know how gray do you think his chest hairs are, and <laughs> do they interest you? I mean, he—he's—I'm not saying he's an ugly guy, but he would—he's he, not. He's just okay. He's—he wouldn't be someone that I would want to gawk at. But um, no, I—I I think he played it good for what I know of that type of character. I thought it was probably the right thing that they made it more realistic with where we see, you know, Hyde versus Jekyll. Um, in and it's not a big part of the movie with Mr. Hyde. I mean, he really is Dr. Jekyll in this movie, and we get a glimpse of Mr. Hyde. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that they handled it well, though, where they didn't make him, like, the Hulk or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Jenny, any opinions on her? We kind of glossed over her, but I thought she was decent in this movie. Uh, again, it's not like the characters really bring you in, but I thought she was good for what she was. Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> Mom always said my life was like boxes of chocolates. Well, your ac- boxes of chocolates was like my life, or what was it you said? Your, your accent for anything is terrible. Okay. At, least, at least it didn't sound like Schwarzenegger, because usually when you try to do any type of accent, that's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, I love your criticizing accents when you start out doing your Forrest Gump. It's like, my name is Jenny! Jenny! Uh, I'll be back, baby. <laughs> Um, um, no, she, she was good. Um, like, again, just okay, not super memorable. And unfortunately, even for Tom Cruise, same thing. No, I'm going to... Okay, again, every, I'm everybody in, everybody in this movie was just okay. And I disagree because I think that this movie and the story was okay, and I thought the actors were all great. I would be interested in watching all of these main actors what, what in do, another what movie. Do, what do you know about Jenny? She's the expert on this. She's the archaeologist. Okay, you already said that. She had her map else? stolen. Okay. What What do you know about Jenny herself? What do you know about anybody? What do you know about Chris Pine in, in Wonder Woman? That he was a spy and that he was undercover. Okay, so you've given me as much information as I just gave you on Jenny. No, and that he fell in love with a Wonder Woman. He, he, wanted, to, he wanted to get laid. <laughs> Uh, I know a lot of things about Chris Pine. That character not, was... No, you basically I, give you, me as but, much information as no, you can. No, no, no. You know what? I could give you five more answers, but this podcast is actually about the mummy. It's not about Wonder Woman. It was last week. Yeah, that's right. And we're done with that uh, now. You see, the, the, you're kind of trapping me here because you know very well that what we know about Jenny is way more complicated than that, but we can't reveal it because this is spoiler-free here. No. 
you, so you've already forgotten. Maybe. I'll remind you off air, okay? <laughs> uh-huh. Um, no, but nothing special. Okay. No, okay. She was all right. Uh, Aminette is the star of this movie. Can we agree on that? You you roll your eyes, but who is better in this movie than Aminette? I guess. And if you weren't comparing her to Mr. Loincloth, bare chests, Arnold Vosloo, mm. Imhotep, who you had, you know, teenage fantasies of. <laughs> Pretty much. 12-year-old girl. Mm. More interested in Imhotep than, uh, than uh, what's it, Rick O'Connell or whatever. See? At that point, yes. Yeah. But if you weren't comparing her to that, how good would Aminette be? This is like villain of the year as far as I'm concerned, and not even in a great movie. I think she is villain of the year. It's hard to say. Where 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 does she, where does she score though? As far as like, let's say like the more the most villainous villain. Of what? Oh, how bad? How, how no? Just in general, like how bad was she? How evil was she? I think she was incredibly. But she was. That's one of the more interesting th- things about this is that. She's not like Imhotep where you could almost sympathize. Like, oh, him and his girlfriend just wanted to run away together and then he was cursed and it kind of made him bitter and angry. It's like, she was a power monger. She's evil. She sold her soul to the devil, basically. I, I think And that's... she just wants to suck the life out of everybody and look rotten and slimy and decrepit in the process. And I love it. Yeah, well, you know what? The same things can be said about a big giant toad. You love big giant toads? No, you do, because you said she's slimy and powerful and you love it. What does that have to do with a big giant toad? Slimy. Slimy. This is what I go through on a daily basis, people, okay? You you know what? You know what? You know who was way more evil than her that actually gave me, like, a chill in my bones? What? Was the Joker in that Batman movie. The Dark Knight? When he blew up the hospital. Okay, so now, if you are not Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight who won an Academy Award, we don't want to give you the time of day? Where's her award? She's done, like, what, three or four movies and spoken in one? For this movie, where's her award? No awards have come out yet. What's the scores on all these websites? It's trash, people. And I said before, anybody out there, find a review that criticizes Sofia Batella. You won't find it. And I haven't read most of the reviews. I'm just telling you, there is no way people don't love her in this movie. I also didn't like her look from the movie. Her look was amazing. I, yeah, I'm sure that you would think that. <laughs> even, no, I'm talking even no, the, the rotten and decrepit look. I think that the whole, like, double eyes thing would look oh, so Oh, that's amazing. Stupid. That is, okay, you, how can anybody complain about that, too? That is oh so creepy. Oh, my gosh, it looks so It is so stupid. creepy. It is awesome. It's stupid. And the sandstorm scene that we see in the trailers, which is kind of like a nod to, you know, the, the old ones as well. I love the sandstorm thing. Yeah, no, um, you know, honestly, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like all the tattoos. I just thought it looked no, really stupid. No, no, Oh, no. I know that they were trying to make her look evil, though, and I, I get it, but I don't... Look, mm-hmm. I am starting up a secret Pinterest board tomorrow on all the Aminette, uh shots that I could find. That's how great she was in this movie. Even the slimy, rotten, decrepit Aminette. I'm glad that you let me know that. <laughs> I have a secret Pinterest board, too. But I've actually shown you mine. Yeah, well, he, your secret Pinterest board, you've also announced every single week when we cover this episode. Oh, yeah, he's on it. He's on it. Yeah. Anyway. I have a board. <laughs> um, so uh, we've covered the cast. Um, we can briefly talk about his friend. Again, I don't remember the name of the character. We can't give away too much about it because it's kind of a cool plot twist. But his friend who's helping him hunt these artifacts in the beginning, helping Nick. And again, you see, you, rem- funny. you remember everything and you don't remember this guy's name. But, okay, but we're also not going to be talking about him much because we don't want to give too much away. But it's a cool twist. And I thought he was, I said at the beginning of the episode, I'll stand by it. Every scene he was in was hilarious. Uh, yeah, it lifted up the movie a little bit, but I, I don't know. I think it was just something about, like, and I said, like, it's a good movie, but just something about it just felt off. It it felt like the movie just didn't really know what it wanted to be. Okay, can we talk about my favorite thing about this movie and my least favorite I know, thing I know what your favorite thing about no. this movie is. <laughs> Other than Sofia Butella, which has more to do, more... Oh, the, oh, oh, oh this is when the stumbling of the dim- <laughs> and the dimples come it's out. It's about more than her appearance... Her presence, her character was amazing. Wow, how deep how deep do those dimples go? Okay. <laughs> All right. But no, my favorite sequence, the zero the zero gravity sequence, the plane crash, which really is what the teaser trailer was, this plane crash where Tom Cruise ends up dead and wakes up in a morgue. Uh, that, maybe if that hadn't given, been given away in the trailer, I think this would have had more of an impact, but still, it looks amazing on the screen. 
And I don't think this is the type of movie, my review will kind of say it at the end, I don't think this type of movie you should pay $15, $16 for to see in IMAX 3D. But if you can, it's worth it for that sequence. To go along with that, my least favorite part is really the climax. Um, we can't talk about what happens too much. I mean, it's it's kind of your traditional mummy climax. It's the mummy's after the good guy, the good guy's after the mummy. You know, somebody's going to lose their life. Somebody's going to sell their soul. Who knows? Uh, it all happens in like a, a dark, dingy place. I think it drags on way too long. And I would have rather a big sequence. I think that sandstorm sequence was cool, but it was maybe a bit too brief. I would have rather... If you had combined this, this is me rewriting a movie. If you had combined the small climax we got, which is very personal, involving the main characters, kind of creepy and dark and dingy, as I said, and the sandstorm at the same time. The sandstorm is ripping apart the world outside, and we get a little glimpse of that. I think that would have been more interesting. Didn't care for the climax at all. I think that's a, one of the other problems where you walk into this movie and you may be like, oh, I like it. Oh, uh, now it's a little bit boring. Uh, now I like it again. Uh, it's a little bit boring. When they end off on a more boring note that maybe gets a little bit too complicated. We can't give away the spoiler, but gets a little bit too complicated on the end to really uh, sit well with you when you're leaving a theater. Um, that probably is what a lot of points are being deducted from. Well, and like I said, I think it's kind of the same type of thing where I was just saying, you know, it doesn't know what kind of movie it wants to be. And I felt like the pace of the movie was kind of off. Well, okay, I want to talk about the director slash writer I, here, too. I want to I I, I, I talk about... <laughs> I actually do want to talk about Alex Kurtzman here because we've been waiting for it the whole time. It's a great success story regardless. If people don't know who Alex Kurtzman is, look it up. You're probably going to groan when you see a lot of his screen credits. You'll probably also love a lot of it. Uh, this is a guy who basically started out working for J.J. Abrams, or even before that, he worked on my favorite TV show, as I mentioned last week. My favorite TV show growing up, uh, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, with Kevin Sorbo. Him and his writing par partner, Robert Orchie, they started out on that. We met an actress who's from Winnipeg who was on Hercules, and she even told us a story about one of her episodes being written by these guys who then went on to become you know, these big screenwriters. I mean, these guys have written all the biggest movies. They're involved in the Transporter, or not Transporter, <laughs> the tr those are slightly better. The Transformer movies, involved in the early Transformer movies. Uh, the Mission Impossible movies, obviously, they got their start with Mission Impossible. J.J. Uh, Abrams gave them their break in movie business. Um, Watchmen, the Star Trek movies, again, for J.J. Abrams, a lot of writing for those. Um, what are those? Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, the Mummy is kind of Alex Kurtzman breaking out as a director and given his first directing job. I think he was originally lined up to do Star Trek Beyond and then eventually they didn't do it. But he does some really interesting things in this movie and he doesn't pace the movie right. The movie's tone is all over the place, but there's some really interesting things he does, including that zero G sequence, uh, including how some of these characters are portrayed, how Ominet comes across. Uh, I think he does a good job and he's kind of leading this series going forward, even if he's not gonna be directing all the movies. Some credit goes to him. Any, any praise? For how the movie's presented? No. No? No. It's still... A, to, to see anybody that comes from working on Hercules' Legendary Journeys that directs a major blockbuster and basically... Uh, I'd rather watch Hercules. Well, so would I, but it, I still... Oh, well, I well you just this, answered your own question. How is that... I love Hercules. That's like saying because I liked Wonder Woman better than this, that automatically makes us a bad movie. Wonder Woman was amazing. No, not every, we're, we're, not we're every movie is going to be Wonder Woman. We're talking about praise for the guy who made... That and Hercules. What about him? I'm saying, I think he did some really interesting things in this movie. No. The movie's not great. He didn't do an amazing job, but as a first-time director, I thought he did some really clever things. The way that Aminette comes across, you even praised her kind of twitching in a lot of the visual things there. He needs more training. The, the morgue scene was great. I mean, there's some fun stuff in this movie, and I think he did a good job. He, he needs more training. More for, training. For, for making movies. Yeah. Okay, maybe he should just take my career in aeration instead, huh? Maybe. Maybe. Look at you and your big words, talented uh, <laughs> Nima Fatima. <laughs> Um, we've talked about everybody involved in this movie. We talked about the climax, the big sequences. Let's talk about this universe going forward. This is where a lot of my arguments are going to come in. And which one are you most excited about? Creature from the Black Lagoon. Of course. Um, because, again, you mentioned that I'm a huge fan of even the black and white movies. Who, who, who's going to play that? Well, it's going to be a guy in a suit, if even that. It's a creature. I mean, that's the thing with these movies is that this is where it became interesting that they got Tom Cruise for the first movie because... 
the human stars don't necessarily have to carry over. And I'm going to have some comparisons here to what uh, they're doing with the Godzilla and King Kong series as well. Because these are movies where the humans don't matter. You don't have to have an actor carry over from one to the next. You just need the monsters. Uh, so having Tom Cruise wasn't necessarily the selling feature here. The next movie could be completely different. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon is going to be a completely different movie, just like the original was a completely different movie from The Mummy. Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein, these movies weren't similar at all. Wolfman, Wolfman's going to be really interesting. Because <laughs> I think the Wolfman, uh, along with Creature from the Black Lagoon, was probably the best of those originals. But even if you look at the black and white mummy movies, which is what they're going for here, the first mummy movie to the second one were completely different. You can have these in different decades. I mean, Godzilla to Kong Skull Island, Godzilla took place in 2014, I think. Skull Island took place in 1973. I mean, you can go anywhere you want with this. It's just the monsters that matter. And we got Javier Bardem signed on to play Frankenstein's monster. Like, you don't have to judge the mummy uh, and then judge the entire series. That's this the guy who is different. in uh, the 007, right? The, yes, the villain. The guy who is kind of like. Skyfall. Who is kind of like uh, gayish. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and. <laughs> No, no, like he was... No, okay, I'm, I'm being serious. He was the blonde one, and he yes. was kind of, like, touching James Bond. He was the Bond, one, yeah, exactly. Pulling him up. Yeah, he was, okay. he was the one who, who uh, sexually harassed James Bond, yes. And, and he had... He and had, No Country for Old Men. Didn't he, man. like, rip off part of his face or something? What? You know, ca yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, that that guy yeah. was a great villain Now imagine him as Frankenstein's monster. I could see it. And he's the only star you're really getting, other than Johnny Depp for The Invisible Man. You're just getting monsters for these movies. You could do another Mummy movie and not even have Aminet. Why you would want to do it, I don't know. I want I want to see the Frankenstein's monster, though, with his hands up walking, say, Imhotep, <laughs> Imhotep. No, I think we'll have a little bit more depth from Javier Bardem. But uh, these movies are all going to be different. You're going to have a completely different cast. The, the timelines could be all over the place. You don't judge this movie and judge the whole universe. And people out there are saying, oh, they should just kill the universe now. Why? Because you didn't like one movie. Even if you didn't like it, there's still enough interesting things to go forward. Godzilla was an awful movie. I, I I I'm going to say this. Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla, was an awful movie. But there were enough interesting things about it where I'm like, I want to see where they go with Godzilla 2. Kong is, is, that, is that the one with the big monsters in it? The other big monsters? I'm trying to remember oh, which Godzilla... Godzilla. Which was the one with Matthew Broderick? Broderick? No, that was 1998 Godzilla. Oh, that was a long that time was, ago. Yeah, he was <laughs> different he was, series. He was really cute in that movie. Okay, <laughs> even when we talk about Matthew Broderick, it comes down to superficial. He was um, cute, but no, but hold yeah, on. like seriously, it's, give it a chance. Still, who knows what the other yeah. ones are going to be like? Yeah. And the 2014 Godzilla movie, I hated that. I watched the first time and I'm like, I hate this movie. It's awful. But there's a couple of interesting things about it where I'll be interested to see where they go from here. Anything can improve a second time around. Uh, but even putting that aside, I'm still interested in seeing Godzilla 2 because I hear they're going to have real monsters this time. Yeah. And there'll be more than like six minutes of Godzilla in a Godzilla movie. Well, and the Skull Island one was great. You, Skull like Island was great. But even still, I'm a huge King Kong fan of yeah. the original black and white King Kong. But even with Kong Skull Island, I wasn't like jumping out of my chair for it. It was like, okay, this is a good movie. Yeah. I'd like to see where they go from here. Yeah. It's the same thing with this. And it's the same thing with the Marvel movies. Like Because the Iron Man wowed everybody when it first came out, People are under the impression that Marvel was huge from day one. Outside of the first Iron Man movie, between Iron Man and the Avengers, they're phase one. You can't find a single other movie that was universally loved or even partially loved. The Incredible Hulk, a lot of people criticized that movie when it first came out. And I think people's opinions have come around to it now. People weren't wowed by Thor or Captain America the First Avenger. Nobody liked Iron Man 2. And yet, were they saying, oh, let's kill this thing before they get to the Avengers? I no. Didn't, I didn't really like any of the Iron Mans, but that's just my opinion. But even still, I mean, people who didn't like Captain America First Avenger, mm. were they like, oh, well, let's just kill the Captain America franchise. Why? Before we can get to the Winter Soldier, where they have something really interesting and different they could do? Uh, yeah, well, You I mean, can make another mummy movie. And the, the black and white mummy movie was completely different from The Mummy's Hand, which came a few years later. Completely different movies, completely different time frame. You can go anywhere with this. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, I mean, those movies are so classic, these other ones that they're really kind of remaking, where, you know, while they obviously want to try to stay true to certain things so that you know it's the same type of movie, you know, what's wrong with doing some modern twists in them? Yeah, and, and this is a modern mummy movie, which I, we I'm excited to see, to see, though, for the Black Lagoon, um, the actual creature. Well, because they show a bit of it in this, let's... 
There's, there's the sequence in Dr. Jekyll's lab or the Prodigium lab or wherever. Oh, I missed that. Where you see the hand of the creature from the Black Lagoon. You see yeah. the hand. You also see uh, something. With, I, there's tons of things in there. These are the only ones I caught. There is something like a skull with fangs, so you know they're going to have Dracula connections at some point. I mean, there's so many of these great monsters they have, and people are like, oh, this isn't an original idea. Look, they've waited like 70, 80 years to bring back some of these characters. Go into it with an open mind. Yeah. and. If you're like, oh, well, it's not like the Brendan Fraser movies. When those movies came out, people were saying, what is this weird, funny action-adventure movie that has had nothing to do with what the mummy and the universal monsters are supposed to be? Yeah. You know, it's something different, and for what it is, I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, comparing this to the other universes, I mean, the Kong Skull Island and Godzilla one, I probably preferred Kong Skull Island at least to this. But I can honestly say I'm slightly more interested in where this story is going to go because I think there's more of a connection than we've gotten with the Godzilla and Kong Island uh, ones. Um, it, not everything's going to be Marvel, but not everything has had the time to develop as Marvel did. I mean, at this point, you know, we were just at one movie with The Mummy and, and one movie with Iron Man. There was still the Incredible Hulk, Thor, and Captain America First Avenger for people to be disappointed with and Iron Man for people to hate or Iron Man 2 before you eventually got to the good movie of the Avengers and everything they did in Phase 2. So there's a lot more to come. Just give it a chance. Uh, we kind of have to get to the review here. So we have the scale of buy it, rent it, or bin it. Uh, I'm going to let you go first here because I'm pretty sure I know where this is going. Uh, actually, you probably don't. Um, you probably assume I'm going to say rent it or, or bin it. I think that actually the answer may surprise you for what I'm going to say. Um, I think it's a good movie. I think it's definitely one that I would watch again. Um, I do want to own it if it's part of a collection, but for this movie, I would not pay full price for it. Yeah. I would um, try to wait until it's been a very long time that it's been out or if it's like clearance or something like that. Like if I have to pay like maybe like 10 bucks, I think I might pay 12 bucks maximum. So this, okay. 12, 12, 12, 12, 50. No, wait, 12.75. All right. This is a... 12.78. This is a rent it to a maximum of 12.75. I think that's pretty much a discount buy. Yeah. Considering you spent this whole time saying how boring it is, is I'm not is, sure. Is this U.S. dollars or Canadian? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm kind of confused because you've been talking about how boring this movie is and yet you'd be willing to pay twelve seventy five to watch it again. Have you seen my Netflix queue of all the crap that I watch? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we should read it out. Can Honestly? You, where was the remote? I have the remote here. This is going to be a little fun project here. Um, yeah, Jamie's Netflix queue, it's kind of... This, okay, if anybody out there is groaning, they're like, wow, she just said the mummy sucked and yet she would pay twelve seventy five for it. we got to bring up her Netflix queue here. Um... Should we go to movies you've been watching or movies on your list? Let's go to what you've been watching. Uh, you, Happy hey. Tree Friends. It's a cartoon. <laughs> and that's not for our son. He has his own Netflix account. Silver Linings Playbook. That's okay. World of Compulsive Horrors. Okay, but you know what? To defend myself, I like actually watching horror shows because it actually makes me feel like I want to clean my house, get up and clean, because I feel dirty after watching it. And that's also why I like to watch my 600-pound life because it makes Ugh. me want to diet and not <laughs> and lose weight and not be a fatty. Um, let's just go through all the cartoons here. And I know every person who shares your love for Japanese anime or whatever is going to be groaning when I call a cartoon. Uh, Yuki Yuna is a hero. It's great. Japanese style originator. What is that? Is that a documentary? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Yokai Watch. It looks like that one. It looks like hamsters on steroids. That one's really bad. It's actually not good. And yet you watched all the way to the end of episode three. <laughs> it was just playing while I was watching Casper. See, you're missing. You're you're. I skipping, know I'm skipping you're, Pulp you're skipping, Fiction and Hunger Games. Yeah, you're but, skipping the good stuff. Okay, you're the one who tried to say my Netflix queue explains why I watch garbage. Look who's talking now. Um, Fairy Tale, another cartoon movie. 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close. Uh-huh. Kate and Leopold with Hugh Jackman. I haven't watched that one yet. The Swan Princess. This is not our son's account. This is her as a grown adult. Like, oh, oh, Wayne's World. Wayne's, okay, that's cool, but... Uh, Party yeah. time. Excellent. Clueless is on her queue. Vampire Academy. <laughs> Um, Mother's Day with Jennifer Aniston and Kate Hudson. Can't wait to watch that. Notting Hill. 
Sex in the City. I'm just going to stop here. I just okay? wish that they had Sex in the City, the actual TV show. Yeah, I'm stopping here because this is embarrassing and I want a divorce. I'm going to leave you for Sophia Butella now. Uh, but, okay, so that explains you're, you're, your very odd review. You're with me. Uh, my review, this is funny because it almost is going to sound like you're praising it more than I am now because I would don't all consider of our reviews, this... Don't a, all of our reviews sound like that, though? <laughs> really? I'm going to consider this a rented. Uh, but I should say, I almost would lean towards uh, Bennett, except that there are enough interesting things that it's worth a look. The movie itself is... Don't expect that this is going to be... You're going to watch it and be like, oh, that was worth renting. I love this movie. But if you want to at least have your interest peaked for where they're going to go next... Watch it. If you want to see a great zero gravity sequence, watch it. If you want to see Aminette and Sophia Butella as like the ultimate villain, you know, of the last couple of years, let's even say, then watch it. So I recommend it. It's at least worth checking out. And that's what a lot of people are missing is it not a terrible movie. The last thing we have to talk about here is, and this is just going to be my rant here, people who are criticizing this movie because they're saying it bombed. Okay, it did like 30-something million dollars in North America. It was below projections. But... What year are we living in where people think that North American box office matters anymore? Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone made a movie a couple of years ago called Escape Plan, which made something like $10 million at the North American box office, but made like almost $100 million or more overseas, and it's getting a sequel. Overseas box office is what really matters. This movie set the all-time opening weekend in Korea. Korea is huge for box office. Now, China, which is bigger than United States for box office... It had over $50 million opening in China alone. And in North America, it did $30 million. And there are people in North America who are like, oh, well, this franchise is clearly dead because nobody's going to see the movie. How so? If this movie opened with $50 million here and only 30 in China, everybody would be like, the movie's the biggest hit of all time. Like, just get out of your bubble where you think that North American box office even matters anymore and realize that this movie is huge it is one of the biggest movies of the year based on worldwide grosses. And it's this universe is going to continue. And it's going to get lots of other movies. And just give it a chance. That's all I have to say. Rant over. Yeah. I'm no, done. I agree with you. Um, uh, a box of chocolates is kind of like your life, said Forrest Gump's mom. It's kind of life. A <laughs> box of chocolates is kind of like life. Mm -hmm. uh, what other famous movie quotes can we ruin <laughs> between now and next week? Oh, you wish you knew. Yeah, we'll come up with a new one for next week. But that is it for The Mummy. Um, we have a very odd recommendation from Jamie after she criticized this whole movie and is still rolling her eyes. And me, who spent a lot of this movie praising and is like, eh, almost a it, but worth renting. Uh, if you have a chance, at least check it out, even if you do have to wait to rent it. Thank you for joining us, Jamie. Thank you for being a mummy on an episode about mummies. No, I'm a yummy mummy. And they can rename this franchise the Yummy because Sophia Butella um, <laughs> is here. And yep. let's hope she's back. Uh, but even aside, unlike Jamie, even aside from superficial appearance, this woman is amazing and she is worth watching. So that's all we have to say on The Mummy. Uh, what's coming soon? We took two weeks to get to this one. We should explain the reason we were behind on this is because uh, we went on vacation and we're moving in a week. So we don't know if we're going to have any new episodes on Pirates of the Caribbean or Transformers. Strangely enough, I lost faith in that series after the first one. Uh, and you're kind of interested in seeing this one after not caring about any of them. I thought that it looked pretty good. Yeah, so we'll, we'll maybe we'll see this when it goes cheap. Um, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean will definitely come soon. But before then, we're going to be finishing up our amazing Spider-Man ones uh, leading up to Spider-Man Homecoming. You could definitely count on that. Jamie, thank you for being here. Thank you. And I am Colin, and I like my mummies slimy and grotesque and decrepit. Ugh. And that's the way I like I them. hope that's not how you like your women. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.